You're listening to It's me, producer Marvin, back for another end of season recap of the Korean drama podcast. Um, we are at the end of another season, um, our shortest season yet, I think. Joining me, though, are our intrepid hosts, Steve, Kathy, Kim. Congratulations. You made it through another season of Korean drama. We're intrepid. Intrepid. Yeah. I can't wait to look My it up. My favorite compliment. <laughs> wow. And listeners, you can't see this, but Steve was flexing. That's how excited he was. I was flexing. Wow. I felt very (laughs) intrepid. I'm not even sure what that means. Yeah. Uh, How y'all feel? About the show. About finishing. Unsettled. Unsettled. I'm not, I I don't, I don't feel, I don't feel good. Not satisfied at all. Yeah. I thought that maybe I would appreciate a shorter season, you know, because like it's shorter and that's nice. (laughs) But I do like find myself wishing to know more. Well, you know, that's that was their plan, I realized. I found out that I believe this was supposed to be just the first season of a total of four that they're trying to do. Yeah, I think on record, Sue Hugh, the showrunner, has stated that she planned this to be a four-part, a four-season series, which is wild because I think they're already like halfway done with the book. And I like I uh, also okay to that like right if that's true I understand but then I would I I wish that the season finale felt still a little bit more like a season finale like it just felt like another episode (laughs) I mean I really I really liked the um the meeting the the Korean women at the end of it I thought that was really nice but in terms of like the storytelling with the scripted stuff I was like oh this is like not (laughs) it didn't um it it didn't it didn't tie up any any loose ends I mean I am impressed with the confidence to go into making a season finale that was more like a cliffhanger, um, expecting to get the next three seasons, right? So, I mean, that that's a power move, maybe. I'm going to be pissed if it's one of those Netflix things where, like, they cancel it after the first season. That's true. I mean, they've, they've already confirmed season two, at least. We get at least one more season. Uh, but I don't think they've confirmed a full, like, series by. So, ugh, I hate that. This is interesting because I feel like in our conversation about whether or not this is a Korean drama or not, I or a K-drama, I should say, I feel like right now I'm leaning no. But I wonder if at the end of the four, ep- four seasons, I'm going to feel more like a yes because a K drama feels so complete at the end, you know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're getting all semantical here, but technically, it is Korean and it is a drama. Right. So, but yeah, right. no, I, I think the interesting part is this show was produced like an American show, which yes. means seasons and um, not knowing if you have a next one. I, I would say this <laughs> is very much a Korean American drama. It's not. It's not a K drama at all. Uh, it doesn't have any of those goofy c- comedic moments, you know, those little campy jokes and t- nothing cute, nothing like that. Very heavy. A lot of stuff that I felt like um, felt a little bit sometimes luxury, 
about mm. what it means to be Asian or, or Korean growing up outside of Korea. And, and I kind of found myself wondering at times, like, who is this for? Is this for someone like me or is this to inform other people who aren't like me? Mm. And I found myself mm. wavering back and forth between that mm. sentiment. That is a really interesting point, Steve, of like, who who is it for, right? Because in Korean dramas, it feels much more like, or like K-dramas, right? It's like, oh, it's for anybody, you know, it's for anybody. And like, there's such a spectrum of people who who watch Korean dramas. Like, um, and it's like, you know, dads and it's grandmas and it's people our age and it's people younger than us. And I, it does feel like this is a a, a more... It's way more specific, I feel like. And I, yeah, it feels very interesting because it's also like, well, the time periods that take place in it are in like the 1920s and 30s and then in the 1980s. So, yeah, I don't know. It's very different in that way. There's those long shots of like the extra few seconds of, oh, someone's making kimchi or rice. (laughs) Ooh, <laughs> kind of like if this was a K drama. I mean, they'd focus on the food, but it wouldn't be that intense on like certain things, as if they were trying to emphasize how sacred the rice is. And, right, and Phil Collins would be playing unlicensed. <laughs> yes, thank you, <laughs> Phil Collins. We didn't have that. I feel like that's what makes an Asian American or Korean American product is because. For some reason, our brand, if you ever watch any Asian American projects over the last few years, a not insignificant focus on food in -hmm. everything we make, right? And I feel like there's an energy to try to, I guess, dig up history and honor our ancestors kind of a feeling. Whereas I feel like K-dramas, they have a freedom to just be themselves and be goofy or whatever. And there's something refreshing and different about that compared to... um, Something a little bit heavier and more historically accurate, I guess you could say, with with Pachinko and, um, you know, it was like a history lesson. I mean, Pachinko was still very melodramatic, but in a different way than Korean dramas are, right? Korean dramas are all about, like, the will they, won't they. I mean, the ones we've watched have all had, like, really heightened emotions, whereas in this show, the emotions are very... um, they're more subtle, but still kind of over the top, right? Yeah, there's not as much like, I don't, I just, I feel like in the Korean dramas we've, or the K-dramas we've watched, there's a lot of like stopping in the street going, like saying what a lot. Like There's a lot more confusion <laughs> than there is in this one, you know? Um, but I don't know. I, I think speaking, thinking of what you were saying, Steve, that's something I actually really appreciate about this drama in particular even if it makes it less k drama i think that's something i think of this like tiktok that was making the rounds a few years ago that has stuck with me forever of this little like um this little chinese i think canadian like toddler crying to her mom after she watched the live action mulan being like why can't i speak chinese i am chinese why can't i speak (laughs) it why like yeah i know it was so it was so so sad but i feel like something of that is in a lot of us is like why why can't I be something but also not, you know? And I, I did appreciate them exploring that in Pachinko, I have to say. Yeah, I feel like, um, to to your earlier point, Steve, that, like, Pachinko is way more serious. And I do feel like, you know, that is the thing about Pachinko, a Korean-American drama versus, you know, K-dramas, like, is that, like, 
it feels like as Korean Americans, as Asian American creators, like we are responsible for um, portraying our history in a very specific way. Whereas like, I feel like stuff that's made in Korea feels like it's a little bit alleviated of that responsibility because the history in Korea is like it, like because Korean people are, you know, the majority in Korea. And so there's not this need to, uh, establish our place in history and to assert our, um, like, uh, our history, uh, in, and like portray it in media, if that makes sense. Like there's so much more pressure for, uh, for creators, um, outside of Asia, I feel like to portray the experiences of Asia because it's like, well, it's not only that the, the folks that make pachinko are having to, or, or even, you know, Min Jin Lee, like having to wanting to tell a story about like this very specific time in Korean history and in Japanese history, but also portraying that as it fits into Asian America, which is like really specific. You're right, Kim. Like Koreans in Korea, they don't worry about being Korean, unlike people who don't live in Korea or, you know, any kind of diaspora community. We're always like, what does it mean? What? What is our identity? Who are we? We always have these kind of questions. And so we tend to, I think, um, focus more intensely on like these deep questions. Whereas Koreans are like, hey, I'm Korean. And I'm, I just know it, you know, and they don't have to like so much like uh, ask these kind of questions or bat an eyelash. So it's like it's like a visitor syndrome where if somebody visits L.A., they have you know sometimes they tend to have a lot of research done and know about all these things that they want to check out and if you're a local you're like oh i didn't know about this cool like you know i didn't i I, i've been wanting to go here for the past 10 years never made my way over there and then thanks to you as a visitor i can go with you you know uh maybe it's something like that yeah i remember the first time i read the book um like my first takeaway was wow this is like a story about a diaspora community that isn't set in America and how that was really interesting. And I mean, we didn't really touch as much on it in this series because the main storylines are the Solomon storyline and young Sunja and very little of it was actually in Japan, right? A lot of the Solomon, what a lot, a lot of the Solomon story was about him coming back and the culture shock of, you know, having been lived in America for a while and, I don't. We we don't even reach Japan until what episode six in the Sanja storyline. Um, so I think. I mean, to me, the real test of Pachinko will be like in the next few seasons too. Like seeing like this family survive in like a foreign land, right? Like that that immigrant story. Yeah, I feel like we got a hint of that seeing um, Sanja overcome her like first huge hurdle of selling kimchi at the market. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get more of that. In season two. I loved your guys' reaction to the, why is she selling kimchi running around <laughs> like that? Um, I don't think that was how... I'm with Steve. I, I think that was a little different. I mean, that was probably the most melodramatic part of this series was the running around the market selling kimchi part, right? <laughs> how did she even serve it? Let's retrace that. She was serving... like She didn't even offer any people uh, chopsticks to try to sample the kimchi. It was just like... She has a 
wad of kimchi in her hand. She's kimchi hey, slapping everybody. Try this. You're going like, to take a it. bite off of it. Sunja was <laughs> the originator of the kimchi slap way back in the 1940s, right? Yeah, she's like, just open your mouth and I'll <laughs> slap it across your mouth. Yeah, it's like bobbing you're... for apples, but with kimchi. It's like, stick your mouth in there. It's fine. Yeah, just see what comes up. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Oh. Um, yeah, I, I think I think I'm with you guys. I think it's an interesting, you know, I mean, technically it's still a Korean drama, but this was definitely a show made by, I mean, it's made by committee, but definitely the voice of it is Korean Americans. And, you know, the, the show is directed by Justin Chan and Konganada, two Korean Americans, a show run by Korean Americans. The writing rooms had like a bunch of Asian Americans in it. So definitely, I think you can definitely see that voice in there. Um, you know, I was thinking, oh, actually, I wasn't thinking. I was like, <laughs> this is so heavy. What was I thinking? I read the book. I, this is a very s- serious, sad, like intense story. And I was like, oh, man, like I found myself craving a little bit of like the, the typical K-drama levity and ridiculousness. <laughs> yeah, like running you know, into a, a lake. I feel like they did that a lot in Secret, yeah. Secret Garden. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. The floating box. The floating like. Yes. Electronics box. I guess on that note, we'll get to it. I mean, the most K drama part of this series is the long line of terrible male characters, you know? Yeah. Lee Min Ho has played his share of like haughty, cold, or rude boys, but. In this one, he he flexes his dramatic muscles and plays like a dramatic, terrible rude boy. Yeah, I feel like in this one, we're, we're expected to not like his behavior. Where in K-dramas, we're supposed to be like, this is okay. We like <laughs> yeah. this. Yeah. Slap on that sappy soundtrack and it's all romantic. <laughs> Put on Phil Collins. I'll take a little manipulation, mm. you know. <laughs> right. I <laughs> That's mean, the like, vibe. <laughs> in like Itaewon class, I feel like... And someone correct me, I guess. But I remember that I was saying at some point that I was even like empathizing with the bad guy in that show, who his name I don't remember, but he had the bleached hair. The son. <laughs> the son. Yeah. And I was like, <gasps> yes. Like there was like you know they 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 uh, that character was very interesting in that way. But um, yeah, I feel like I just I I really don't like Hansu so much and <laughs> having seen I feel like the 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 throwback episode the standalone episode you know about his past was designed to give us a little bit more context to why he is that way but I'm not buying it <laughs> yeah. And, yeah and also another thing I felt miss I felt like I missed was at the end of each episode in a K-drama, you have like that the thematic soundtrack that kicks in and you feel like all like excited for the next one. Here, Pachinko is, is dead silence. And I just find myself sighing. I'm like, oh, okay. Let's <laughs> turn off the TV. Yeah, it very much like feels like they want us to continue to think about it as opposed mm-hmm. to Korean drama at the end of the episode. They're like, there you go. You are entertained. See you later. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Uh, yeah. So, Kim, do you have a, a hottie, um, I guess, roundup or tournament for this season? I mean, Kathy's the the hottie March Madness expert. Well, I don't know if I'd say expert. I've done it once. Uh, I did it for <laughs> Secret Garden, really dropped the ball on Itaewon class. And I was talking about this a little before, but uh, it does feel like a little, I mean, you guys tell me, it feels a little rude to do it 
for this show because there's so many different hotties. So you're actually like voting someone hotter than the last one, which in Secret Garden, it was all different pictures of the same dude. So it right. still felt like uh, ultimately a compliment. Yeah. But as I was making the list, it just felt mean to be like, well, who's hotter, this real person or this real person? Because <laughs> they're all fans of the podcast. So I don't want to know. Hurt and, you know, we don't want to we don't want to hurt hottie fishmongers feelings no. or whatever. Um, what what also, about a naughty it, March Madness? People who aren't hottie. Hansu wins. It's just Hansu. 100%. It's just oh, okay, him. Okay, well, but maybe that's perfect. Which of which which version of Hansu is the worst? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. From uh, the people who brought you Hottie March Madness. Come. It's Naughty March Madness. <laughs> oh my gosh. I think also this show is difficult to do a Hottie March Madness on because there's so many different kinds of hotties. Like yes. in Ito One class and in Secret Garden, the hotties were very much like, you know, your run of the mill, this is a hot guy. And the variations on that were like, this guy's dressed well, or this guy, we saw him in the shower. <laughs> and and this show, it's like, it's like, you know, it, it's not as gratuitous, right? And that's how you know it's really not a K drama. It's like there's no mm-hmm. gratuitous like shots um of like um exploiting Asian men. Uh and so, you know, in that way, it's like well, we have like emotionally stable hottie and we have like feminist hottie and we have looks good in a suit hottie. And, you know, I am hoping for a season two change and tweaking where they do have the more gratuitous shots of like Hansu in the onsen in his, you know, robes. And <laughs> I whatever. would love. Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't yeah. like his behavior, but at least give us something. <laughs> right? All right. Well, so there's no best hottie, but what about best daddy? Because this show had a bunch of good dads, too. Good dad action. Oh, my action. God. My God. That's hard. Best dad. I mean. So you got Sanja's dad, who is probably best dad overall. Sanja's dad, such a good dad. We have <laughs> Isak, who is adoptive dad plus actual dad to Moses. Uh, and Mozasu himself is a dad as well. I Mozasu, guess Kohansu is also a dad, technically. I, I would rank <laughs> the four of them, like the four of those guys. I will put Mozasu and Kohansu on the bottom. I will put Kohansu <laughs> number number four, then Mozasu, because I haven't seen exhibited him being very haughty dad behavior. Um, and that... And then, and also really rubbed me the wrong way when he was mean to his mom. Really yeah. not haughty behavior. Oh yeah, um, that was and, random. And then I would say, gosh, it's it would be a tie for me if Sunja's dad is the number one hottie dad, or if it was um, Isak, because they're both extremely good. Well, can I say something that might tip the scales that I yes. did not realize? A, a seed oh. I realized uh, after yeah. we had mm. recorded. OMG. But in the final episode, when Isak is talking to Noah about his, um, Steve, say the say the name of the uh, ritual again, the 100 days ritual. Oh, dol, dol jabi? Yes. Which, P.S., I saw on the beach this weekend. It was very cool. I saw the a beach? real one. Yes. They had cute. like a whole setup on the beach. It was very cute. Oh, wow. Yeah. But nice. so when, um, when Isak is talking to Noah and Noah's like, you promise that this happened, that you had one for me. And Isak said, why would I lie to you? But here's the thing. He does lie to Noah because he lies to Noah about who his biological father is. Oh, shit. 
Ooh. I also think that Isak is lying in that moment because I think that they don't have any money and I don't think that they did a dojabi for Noah. I totally don't remember <laughs> at this point. <laughs> Conspiracy theories abound. Oh, my goodness. They're going to have to recap all of this for the next season. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it turns out this is going to be longer than a traditional K-drama. It's going to be like, what, 32 episodes total? Eight times four, that eight? is 30. Is that 32? Yeah. yeah. Break out your yes. little abacuses. Yes, it oh, is. If it was yeah. only three seasons, then it would be the same as the regular <laughs> Korean drama. Right. So, so technically, you all promised yourself to cover a extra long Korean drama. Congratulations. Damn it. No. <laughs> Why we thought we were doing the exact opposite of that. Yeah. <laughs> we got we got fooled. <laughs> Terrible. Huh. Um, Steve, I'm curious as a um, as someone who read the book a while ago, like myself, what did you yeah. think? How did you think about the adaptation? Especially what they did with the um, kind of smushing together the first and last parts of the book. It's hard. It's hard to not compare. Um, and I feel like that helped or I feel like that hindered me from enjoying the show just as is because uh, you know a lot of the mechanics that they do with like the time switching and stuff it's like it's not like that in the book at all um, and it felt um, I think other people have talked about this but it's like the main hero or at least the focus I would presume is Sanja here but then why are we so you know, concerned with Solomon and his cluelessness and obliviousness about, you know, why he's about to get fired. You know, it's like, um, I see what they're trying to, you know, I, I feel like it's, we see what they're trying to do, but I don't think it really helped. You know, it's hard. It's hard not to yeah. compare. I think as someone who also read the books, that was the choice that had the most question marks for me. A, because it does take the focus away from Sunja, who is the focal point of the story. But also they they've kind of changed Solomon's character and made him into like a finance bro, which he wasn't yeah. in the book. Yeah, mm. his character is uh, is is different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still confused by the Solomon on the show. Like, is he? Did he find himself or what? Is he <laughs> eat praying loving or what? Well, I, I wonder know. if they're going to continue with the switching back and forth in season two through four. Oh, oh. Do you think they're they're gonna like? Pick a pick a timeline for two and three, and then four. Mix it up oh, again. Oh God, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. That would be interesting because any everything past Nahir is gonna be like original content for mm. Solomon's story, right? He has, I think, he only has one beat left from the book. <gasps> um, wow. But again, the the Solomon in the series is completely different from the Solomon in the book, and his his drama is actually a little bit different as well. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I but, feel you know, like keeps it. Yeah, keeps you keeps you looking just, forward to what they might change. Yeah. Yeah. This is like wishful thinking on my end, but I I I feel like season two is going to at least the first few episodes going to be a lot about Noah because that's where they're leaving us off yes, at the end. Yes. Mm-hmm, and right. Steve had mentioned that Noah is a bigger part in the book, and also like. They did plant the seed of Noah like really early 
on of like, or not that early, but they planted a seed about Noah earlier on of like, oh, there's this brother that is not mm. here. We don't know where he is. So it doesn't seem like he's died. Like it seems like he is alive somewhere and he's like estranged from the family. And so I can imagine a world in which we see more of Noah and more of his journey. And like, you know, as we follow young Sanja, like seeing seeing what happens there and how how the wheels fall off and how those two timelines might mm. might meet up a little bit. Oh, mm-hmm. another conspiracy theory. Another conspiracy theory. <laughs> I'm just like giving out free ideas. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. um, hire Kim as a staff. Yeah, writer, please. Kim has ideas. I have so some ideas. Never read the book. Never read the book. <laughs> yeah. Hire Kim as your K-drama consultant. Yeah, K-drama consultant. Kim has notes. Yeah. You just need somebody to give you some unsolicited ideas. You can pay, <laughs> you can, you can pay me for mine. <laughs> I appreciate Steve's restraint in um, in letting, letting Kim and Kathy dream about the possibilities. You gotta. You gotta let us dream. We will dream up some things like people are ducks. Everyone's related. Oh my god, oh, we ducks. never figured out if everybody was a duck. Well, that, there's three more seasons to figure oh, out. Oh yeah. Who's oh a duck. yeah. Okay. okay. They've got time. Yeah. Wow. All right. As we wrap up this season, any last thoughts about Pachinko? Are you happy you've seen it? Do you regret watching it? What are your <laughs> what are your thoughts? I think it's an important work. I value what it's trying to what it does and tries to do. However, it's not good if you're trying to decompress from a long, stressful day and just have a easy viewing and like laughy time. Mm. Um, it's a little heavy. <laughs> yeah, they fooled me when they cast Lee Min Ho. I thought it was gonna be more like that. <laughs> Boys over flowers drama. That's true. No, Lee Min Ho was like, "I'm here for the Emmy." <laughs> yes. yes, he's trying to do a Oscar sweep. Yeah, best performance by a dramatic actor that doesn't involve any campy <laughs> stuff in the middle of the street. Uh, he definitely stole his scenes, which a lot of people were really pleasantly surprised. Um, and definitely, yeah, it's who would have thought the adaptation of a sad times book would also be just sad times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was in a, taken the uh, hint. <laughs> Zoom meeting with a bunch of um, people whose family members were uh, whose families members lived in occupied different parts of Asia that was occupied by uh, colonial Japan. And they were talking about how important and how like seen they felt by the mm. show. And um, that was really nice to hear. It seems like important representation. Kim, any final thoughts? I, I agree with, with both of those. Like, I think that this is definitely an aspect of like, re- you know, we've talked so much about, um, how how Korean American the show is and how it like feels is very much made for an American audience. And this is like an aspect of the the diaspora and an aspect of Asian American that we haven't heard from, right? And like or I mean they're not they're not all necessarily Asian American, but like, you know, of our diaspora and of our history that we haven't necessarily heard about. I mean, I had never heard about the earthquake and I had also not I was familiar with the with the occupation, but I was not um, not familiar with this many details of it. And I think that it's really uh, like an important representation in that way because it opens up like newer generations to this story. And Mm -hmm. 
again, I just really want to commend them for having actual, you know, people who lived through that on the show because drawing that connection is also really important, especially now, like, because they're, you know, the the women that were profiled were like in their 80s and 90s. And so we're not going to have that opportunity forever and showing that gratitude and showing that um, showing that love for our elders and giving them a chance to share their stories with us on such a big platform on on Apple TV Plus, my favorite streaming, (laughs) (laughs) um, is really important. And it's significant to to get to tell the stories of our elders, especially as younger people who experience our Asian identity in a very different way because of the freedoms that we have because our elders have endured through so much. Yeah. I hope it sparks some conversations. Man, that Roku app was rough for me too. I hate the app. Apple? I would give negative points to Apple TV Plus. The Apple app. TV minus. The the streamer itself, fine. Like the service, whatever. You know, heard a lot of good things about other shows on the app, but the yeah. app itself, very bad. Siri commentary we from Kim Re Apple. That's Read right. Apple app. Oh, Apple man, TV Plus to. app. I'm your number one enemy. Or you're my number one enemy? <laughs> Both. 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 All right. Before we go, we do have one last uh, piece of, I guess, listener feedback uh, that we got from Twitter. Uh, Linda Lee on Twitter asks, Linda Lee? Um, if y'all have watched any K-dramas other than the ones for the show. Yeah. Of course. Well, of course for you, Steve. Well, this is for Kim Steve and Kat. Oh, I, I, Steve I was thinking for all of us, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Steve, how many K dramas do you think you've watched? Oh, uh, God. 700, 800? Minus 100 from that number. Um, I've seen a lot when I was like in middle school because my mom would watch on VHS tape and it's like, what's going on? <laughs> you know, that kind of thing when you, you go to these like video stores and you rent a whole grocery bag full of VH, like VHS episodes that'll tide you over for the week. The Koreans had that kind of system down back in like the 80s, 90s, I guess. Steve, um, did your mom also have a double VCR system where she dubbed those tapes onto our <gasps> own tapes? Oh, shit. oh no, no, no. She didn't, she didn't boot like it. Oh. You know, once you watch it, you <laughs> Neither did my family. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Marvin's I an undercover say, cop. She's trying to catch you. <laughs> no, no, no. FBI warning. No, no. They, they're going to get you if you film that part or record that part onto the copy. Um, I thought you were going to ask about the um, the double VHS system where you have the player, but then you have a separate little rewinding machine that mm. looks like a car. Mm. Oh, no. I was just asking you if, you, if, you, uh, if you all... Because let's be fair. The VHS tapes that we got from the Asian supermarkets were themselves also probably bootlegs. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a whole system. So technically, we're, we, we're not stealing. We're just... It was important for the diaspora. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. For the diaspora. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So I've seen a few. <laughs> From the classics to like a couple more co- contemporary ones. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Kim, Kathy, have you one? seen any other Korean dramas besides the ones that you're required to watch for this podcast that we do? I tried to watch Crash Landing onto you after we finished Itaewon class because... I love the premise so much, and I could not make it through 10 minutes. I'm so sorry to the K-drama <laughs> community. Wow. <laughs> Kathy, canceled. I cancel, cancel me. I'm here. But I did watch um, I did watch a K-drama on Netflix called, like, 
it was I can't remember the title exactly. It was something like Take Me to Hell or something like that. Cool. <laughs> and I really like that one. And then John it's like zombies? It kinda the idea was that like demons from hell came up to Earth to take you to hell if you were a bad person. So Hansu, watch out. Um <laughs> <laughs> But it was it was very good. And then uh, John Oliver on his latest episode had a parody of a K-drama, which I thought was actually very Ooh. good. But again, I know nothing about K-dramas, so <laughs> who's to say? No, you're an expert at this point, Kathy. Yeah, Kathy, you co-host uh, a podcast about K-dramas. I don't, I'm an expert in tuberculosis and nothing else. <laughs> Yakuza. Well, don't forget Yakuza. And, and Yakuza. Yakuza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, and this is Yakuza. a podcast about K-dramas for people who don't watch K-dramas. So. <laughs> and at this the, point, the most recent one I saw, I remember now, was... Um, it's ah shit. What's the title? Take me to hell. The, the zombie one with the high school kids. Oh, I started it's, that too. We're all we're all dead. No, all of it, us are dead. Something. All of us are dead. But the Korean title actually reads. I think it says something like it's like a phrase. It's like we're all, and then it's that's that's it. Oh, like you died while the title was happening. Yeah, I guess that's what they're going for. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, in middle uh, school when you had to do, like, uh, biographies on, like, or projects on, like, dead people, like, famous dead people, and you'd have the <laughs> journal page, and then you'd, like, drag the pen off as if you died. So morbid. Wow. I never <laughs> did that. <laughs> but, Kim, what about you? What, uh, what, uh, what dramas are you watching? So, um, I've seen a couple other ones. I have seen, there. I can't remember the name of this K-drama, but the fir- I think this was like the first Korean drama I tried to watch, which was um, one that was like a time a, ta- a time travel one where uh, like contemporary Korean people went back to like the Joseon era um, and like became a princess or something. And that one was super campy. I think I only watched a couple of episodes of that. I've seen most of Strong Girl Bong Soon, which I really liked. Um, and... Uh, I recently watched the first episode of Vincenzo, which I thought was very fun as as a Korean drama. But as far as um, the accuracy for uh, for Korean adoptees, I feel it was very um, not accurate. <laughs> and I'm not, you know, I didn't grow up in Italy, so I can't speak to that. But I was like, there's there's a lot of uh, stuff that I think is um, inaccurate here. But it was fun. It was fun, it. and they and they had a shower scene in the first <gasps> in the first episode. So I'm they sorry. were really trying to hook you in that one. What was the title of this? <laughs> it's Vincenzo. Mm-hmm. It's Got on it. Netflix. Copy, copy. Thank you. They know what they're doing. Oh yeah. And I guess we all actually watched Squid Game. Of course. Does that count as a Korean drama? Because I feel like that's more like a an extended Korean movie. You're because right. Like it's it's, it's right? hard to quali- quantify that in the same category as like Crash Landing on You. You know, right? I mean, it's a Korean drama in the way that Pachinko is a Korean drama, which is that it's Korean and it's a drama. Right. Like mm-hmm. when people talk about K-pop, it's like it's not all BTS happy stuff. Sometimes you have like, I guess you know, other genres, ballads, rock ballads. Mm-hmm. You know, hip hop, and it, it all kind of gets lumped into K-pop. K-dramas yeah. aren't a monolith, apparently. Mm-hmm. That is right, and we do very much here at the Korean Drama Podcast regret that we did not have the foresight to know that Squid Game <laughs> was going to be so popular, and that we didn't do a season on it. <laughs> Damn it! Would have been fun though. Would have been fun. I guess maybe there's season two coming out, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. 
I was so stressed watching season one. I don't think I could have recorded about it. It's going to be like season two is uh, like all stars, all winners. Oh, my God. We should just start a new podcast called the Death Game Drama oh. Podcast where we just watch Death Game shows. That's true. And guess who wins? I'm very bad at this game. Well, it's always the main character. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's you can, can always bet on that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Steve, Kim, Kathy, thank you once again for joining us on our adventure to watch all the K-dramas in the world. <laughs> That's the secret goal ah! of this podcast, oh. just in case you didn't know. Um, it was a lot of fun working with you all again. Um, I hope you guys had fun as well. And um, yeah, maybe we'll see you all next time on the Korean Drama Podcast. Ooh, cliffhanger. Uh, <laughs> Always a blast. But until then, enjoy this fresh kimchi in your face. <laughs> but not for racist reasons. <laughs> for health reasons. <laughs>Thanks for listening to the Korean Drama Podcast. Our producer is Marvin Yue, and our executive producers are Will Choi, Phil Yu, and Joanna Lee. Follow the Korean Drama Podcast on Twitter at Korean Drama Pod, and if you haven't, give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. The Korean Drama Podcast is part of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian-American-hosted podcasts featuring unique voices and stories from the Asian diaspora. Learn more about Potluck and our fellow Potluck podcasts at podcastpotluck.com. Hi, I'm Marvin. And I'm Rira. And we're the hosts of Books and Boba, a book club and podcast dedicated to books by Asian and Asian American authors. Each month, we pick a book by an Asian author to read and discuss on the show. We read a variety of genres, including contemporary and historical fiction, sci-fi and fantasy, romance and cozy mysteries, and so much more. Our past book club picks have included Pachinko by Min Jin Lee, Patron Saints of Nothing by Randy Ribeye, Grace of Kings by Ken Liu, and The Kiss Potion by Helen Huang. Every month, we also go through the latest news in Asian American literature, as well as chat with some awesome Asian authors about their works. So whether you want to start reading for fun again or diversify your TBR list, we got your Asian literature cravings covered. For more info, check out our website at booksandboba.com, and you can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts part of the Potluck Podcast Collective.